This is my good friend, Julie Homrich, and uh, Julie has been a part of uh, helping us build clearpathcounselingnetwork.org. And this network was launched and is launching in an effort to provide a safe, affordable, but practical and professional help for people in need of mental and emotional health resources. And I don't know about you, but one of the things we've discovered is that while we are in a, still in this pandemic and post-pandemic world with COVID-19, more importantly, we're in a pandemic of mental and emotional health in America. And you don't have to look very far before you discover people in great need. And almost everybody I run into talks about anxiety levels through the roof. And so what one of the things Julie and I wanted to do today was introduce you, yes, to ClearPath Counseling Network, but more importantly, we wanted to give you some resources in, in the concept of resiliency, mm-hmm. the concept of not only in your own life, but in your parenting and into your children's lives. Much of what you'll hear today is Julie giving us some direction on not just parenting, but how do you actually transfer some of these concepts, both from your life personally into your family and into your children's lives so you can have the best possible school year ever? Because our prayer is literally that you would, would know that there is a network here that provides you support and help at any level that you need. And so a part of what Julie has done as she leads this effort for us is allow us to be able to have somebody come into our website, which is clearpathcounseling.org, and be able to click on a button, take an assessment that's less than 10 minutes, and discover some immediate next steps on what you can do to be able to move forward and discover God's clearest path for his best in your life. Much of this built after what uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 instructs us when Paul says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But then he tells you how to do that. He says, but let God transform you into a new person. I love that concept. Lord knows Mm -hmm. the world needs a better Chuck than the one they've got now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for all of us. But he says to, to, to develop into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, this is so critical. I mean, he's saying we can become a different person because we can change the way we think. And then he says, why? Because then when we do that, you'll know God's will for you. The number one counseling need that comes to my office is somebody saying, I want to know what God's will is for my life. And Paul's saying, if you want to know that, then then transform the way you think. Because when you do that, you'll become a new person. And inside that new person, you'll be able to discover far more easily God's will for your life, which is pleasing and perfect. So, Julie, I've discovered that uh, there's no human, that n- nobody, there's none of us, whether you're online, in the room, whether you're a believer, not a believer, every human I know, nobody is completely immune to anxiety. We all have uh, these varying and fluid reactions to anxiety, and we see it all the time. I do in my own life. I have times where literally I feel like I can't put one foot in front of the next because I'm stuck in some type of anxious or performance mentality. And so as, as we were talking the other day, one of the things that Julie brought up that I was, was fascinating to me, that there's a professional term out there where people get anxious just thinking about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is that a thing? Yeah, so we call that anticipatory anxiety. And this is when the anxiety that you have about knowing something is yeah. coming is actually worse than the anxiety that you feel when it actually happens. 
I, there's nothing about anticipatory anxiety sounds like a terrible disease to me. Uh, but you know, I, some of you are having it right now. It's like, Chuck, I'm already anxious because you want to talk about anxiety. I came to church so that I could lose my anxiety. Well, you have picked the right day. So today, what I want us to do is stop for a minute and then prepare ourselves to be able to, to hear from God and be able to do this in such a way that we can take that, take that anxiety level and lessen it and then learn through it. So I want to ask you to do something for me. If you will, whatever's in your hands, just kind of set it down and get your hands in your lap. And then um, I want you to consciously just kind of let your shoulders slump and uh, get comfortable. Uh, if you're fat and you're holding your gut in like I am, just let it go. <laughs> let your facial muscles just kind of fall at ease. Stop, stop worrying about what you look like and your brow lines and the brow lines. Just close your eyes for a minute. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Hold it. And back out through your mouth. Just take one more breath. Now while you're there in that moment of quietude, just quietly ask the Lord that he would give you wisdom in this moment. That your heart and your mind might be open to receive what he has for you today. And that he might calm you and let your heart and your mind just be still for a moment and open to receive great wisdom and the presence of his spirit in your life. Lord, today, we praise you and thank you for the time to be with you, to hear from you, to know you more, and to learn. So cause us to have a heart that's open to learn and prepare ourselves to live more for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So, Julie, when it comes to anxiety, Maybe you could get us off to uh, just one quick thought. What is it and what do we do with it? Yeah, so I think we could most all agree that the opposite of anxiety is peace, right? Yeah. And I know sometimes in talking about COVID and school and parenting, a lot of times when families hear that, they think, well, I don't know how peaceful our home is. It kind of feels like chaos here all the time. But that's what we want most, right? We want peace. We want peace in our hearts. We want peace in our homes. But what oftentimes happens is that when we're faced with external chaos, we immediately start trying to control everyone. And that actually gets us the opposite of peace because the only person we can truly control is who? Right. Ourselves, right? So that gives us the opposite of peace. Well, we, we certainly don't want the opposite of peace. Yeah, so I think in COVID, what we've learned in a lot of ways is that our realm of control is a lot smaller or narrower than we imagined it to be, right? So in the chaos, the restrictions, all of these mandates and quarantines this past year, it's sort of broken our illusion of complete control and left us with this understanding that there's maybe about three things, and they're three powerful things, but yeah. they're three things that we can actually control on any given day. And those three things are this, what we choose to believe, what we choose to say, 
and what we choose to do. Wow. I would encourage you to take, a, take your phone and take a picture of that slide. And if, if you're looking for a tweetable moment, that's it. Yeah, because it, this, is, this is a lot of what we're going to discuss today is what do we choose to do? Right, and it's hard when we feel like we don't have control over everything, but what we're going to discuss today is how to shift our focus from what's out of our control to what's within it. And what that does for us is it really helps us focus more so we focus away from what's been wrong this past year and we can focus on how we can respond mm. to make it right. So yeah. if we were to put a word to all of this, essentially we're talking about the concept of resilience. Who's heard of the word resilience? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. So we want to talk today about how we grow and cultivate resilience in our families and in our communities. It's a word that's tossed around, right? We hear it in a lot of different settings. You spoke earlier about Simone Biles and how resilient she was right, to own right. her needs. We see that. We also, I think all of us know somebody in our lives who've been through incredible pain or trauma or struggle or loss. And we're amazed by them because instead of getting angry and bitter and stuck, they seem to have this ability to push through, to emerge stronger, more capable and grateful instead of bitter and yeah. that's resiliency in action that's what we want for ourselves and our kids in fact we're all here worshiping today because of what was probably the greatest act of resilience of all time absolutely which is a savior whom everyone thought was dead and yet he rose again so truly resiliency is at the core of the gospel yeah it's so much in the core of the gospel that not only do you find it in the teachings of jesus mm -hmm. not only do you find it in the heroes of the old testament mm -hmm. but you find it a great deal in, in the paulian writings right and so uh back to the book of romans in chapter 8 verse 18 the text says to us that for i consider that the sufferings of this present time which by the way i don't know anybody that doesn't have some measure of suffering mm -hmm. Do you? I mean, you think about it. Everybody I know has junk in their life. Everybody. And everybody I know is suffering to some degree. And the, the, the writer is saying, I consider that those sufferings, the one that's in this present time, they're not worth comparing with the joy and the glory that is to be revealed to us. So it's kind of like checkers. You know, when I was a little boy, I played checkers with my pop a lot. Mm -hmm. And at the top of, on the, on, in, in, embossed in the top of every checker, as you know, is a crown, right? And the goal is to get your checkers from your side of the board successfully to the other side of the board. When you get them to the other side of the board, mm -hmm. then they get another checker on top of them where they get what? Crowned, right? And, you know, what, one of the things I've noticed is that when you get crowned, when you get that royalty right there, all of a sudden they move more fluidly, they move faster, they have greater power, and it's interesting that very rarely does that, does that crown checker get taken out. But you know, to get the checker, there's no guarantee that your checker is gonna get from your end of the board to the other board to get there, why? Because there's an opposition that's attempting to keep you from doing that. If you think about it, we are indeed the checker because the outcome of that checker is directed by who is directing it. And so when we have this ability to surrender to the Spirit of God, that allows us then to know, wait a minute, I need help. And then I can seek that help. I can seek it 
in three different ways. One, I can be before the Lord and ask for his direction. As a matter of fact, he promises when we ask for wisdom, he will grant it. Secondly, we can ask for his provision and protection, which is reason for us to stop and meditate. And then the third thing that we can do is we can seek professional help because science and psychology and scripture should be a hand-in-glove experience. They should not be opposition. They should be desiring, and this is why Julie has come on board, because the way she has helped us build Clear Path Counseling, it is indeed a hand-in-glove experience so that we can move for, more freely and eliminate a lot of that opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, we know in terms of our eternal resilience, we know that's settled. We know that's settled by the work of the cross. Right. But today, I wanna talk about psychological resilience. Mm-hmm. You know, researchers are fascinated with the concept of resilience, and they have these very measured ways of measuring who's resilient, why are they resilient, and how we can become more resilient. In fact, they've determined that resiliency isn't a fixed trait, meaning that it's not something you either have or you don't have. It actually runs along a continuum, and it's something you can learn, and a trait that you can actually grow within yourself and your family. So we, as humans, everyone here today, we have the capacity to not only become more resilient ourselves, but to weave resiliency into the fabric of our families' lives and our communities' lives, and that's what we're gonna be discussing today and going into a little bit more detail with some videos But just to be clear, so resiliency, it's not a trait that you have or don't have. It's mm-hmm. not an all-or-nothing right. issue. We can, we can personally develop mm-hmm. resilience in our life. Mm-hmm. In doing so, we can model but also pass on in our, to our spouse, to our family, mm-hmm. and most especially to our children, right. this ability to, to change the way we think mm-hmm. and find resiliency in that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And in that, we are modeling Christ's example, right, of resiliency. Yeah. there you go. Um, I'm gonna throw out a psychological term here. There's a term that psychologists use to describe this process, and I find it so fitting for the season that we're in right now. Um, there's actually the term that they use to build resiliency is called stress inoculation. So has anyone heard of inoculation? How many days? of your stress level just went up? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is an inoculation? It's a shot, it's a vaccine, right? And a vaccine prepares our bodies to fight off the illness, usually by exposing us to a small, measured, probably inactive amount of the virus so that when we encounter a larger amount, our bodies recognize it, they're prepared and they're ready to fight it off. So I want to today, through some scripture, some prayer, um, some research, really introduce to you guys your very own stress inoculation so that you can be prepared when you go into the school year and into your lives moving forward. Yeah, so let me give you a little uh, spiritual, scriptural stress inoculation from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah said in his writings, chapter 41, verse 10, he said, fear not, which sounds so easy. Mm-hmm. And yet most of us live in some measure of fear. Yeah. But he says, fear not, and here's why. For I am with you. God is saying, I've got you. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Mm-hmm. Which, which ought to clarify this one need for us to be able to manage this. Part of this inoculation is to get more of a God-centric lifestyle and perspective into our life. Every study would show that this is healthy for us. And it says, when you do that, I will help you. That's God's word. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And while we're to seek help here on this earth, we're also to trust in the fact that God, our creator, 
is ultimately our provider, and he's also our protector. Anxiety, fear, depression, emotional distress, all of these are really quite real. Mm -hmm. But Julie taught us last time we were here about this concept of neuroplasticity, the, the ability for the brain to train itself how to think differently mm -hmm. and how to be able to have a different perspective and that's all part of what, what Paul is talking about in the renewal of our mind, changing the way we think, but it's also part of seeking help, which is why ClearPath came to help us get where we can renew our minds and do so in such a wonderful way that we can have resiliency and have the greatest school year of our life. Yeah, and you're right, anxiety and fear are at an all-time high for many of us. And you know, you were talking about last time when we spoke about how the brain works and our neural pathways. And those are just the pathways for our thoughts and our feelings and our behaviors. But here's the deal, they operate on a use it or lose it capacity. So that means that for many of us, including our children, our social pathways over this past year haven't been used as much. So they've, been, they've atrophied is the word that we like to use, which means they've gotten weaker. So in a lot of ways, we're having to kind of relearn how to be in society. We're developing our social legs again. And this is hard, especially for children, because they don't have all the experience that we do in knowing how to be social. So if it feels like our kids are a little bit lost, it, they might be at right. times. Right. Well, I, I do think there's something to this, uh, this ability to rise above mm -hmm. and create this resiliency. This, this is a perfect picture of spiritual, psychological efforting, mm -hmm. which we choose. Right, right. And I think we're all, many of us are at this point with resiliency and fear and anxiety and the COVID and the pandemic that we're wondering, okay, what's the difference between healthy caution and anxiety? We wonder, okay, am I being cautious or am I being fearful here? And clinically, the, the difference between healthy caution and anxiety is that in anxiety, no amount of isolation will ever be enough. So in anxiety, no matter what you do, you're always going to feel like, I'm not safe enough, this isn't good enough. In healthy caution, when you take the necessary steps, you feel a sense of resolve, and that's a big difference. And here's the deal when it comes to anxiety. The beginning of the pandemic aside, for most of us, most of us who feel anxiety, you might not like this, but most of the time, the thing that we feel that we want to do when we're feeling anxious, which is isolate, is actually the opposite of what we need to do, mm. which is reach out, connect, face the source of our anxiety in a supported way. Well, but I guess it's, it's odd because on the one hand, at a personal level, we, we have to have a moment where we stop. Mm -hmm. But the purpose that we stop to find some uh, solitude, mm -hmm. when it's healthy, mm -hmm. then literally the Spirit of God directs us to a group of people that become those that help hold us up, that help right. push us along. And inevitably, we were created to find community, and community helps eliminate, healthy mm -hmm. community helps eliminate that anxiety. Anxiety, right. And when it comes to parenting, you know, parents ask me in the office all the time, okay, so how do I know the balance? with my kids? How do I know when I'm pushing them too far, when I'm you know, encouraging them to step out too much and it leads to shutting down or a meltdown versus 
you know, isolating them, keeping them in a bubble. And we want to encourage our kids to take risks. That's right. how they grow. But we don't want to push them so much that they shut down. Right. And so I like to share in my very non-scientific terminology, sometimes our children need a little pushing and sometimes they need a little cushion. Now that's tweetable right there. <laughs> sometimes we need a little pushing and sometimes we need it's a balance yeah. a little cushion there's a story in genesis chapter 33 mm -hmm. that explains this very well right jacob and esau who have uh, i think it's safe to say they'd have some real conflict yes. in their life mm -hmm. and now they're coming together and they're they're putting their life back together in genesis 33 and part of what we discover is that in this conversation they're getting ready to travel on and so they've got to take their animals and their herds with them and of course they've got to take their kids with them and part of what happens in here is this recognition that, wait a minute, we can't push our children in the same way that we push these animals because even the animals have to go at a pace that works for them. Right. And so Jacob comes along and says, but we need to be careful with our children because they are fragile. Mm -hmm. I think this is a powerful term that our children, and by the way, our spouses, those relationships are fragile. Yeah. We can't we can't push. We see Jacob and Esau, as, as peace comes back into that family, mm -hmm. the recognition that, wait a minute, we, there's a time in which we do need to have a little cushion, and mm -hmm. there are times we need to have a little pushing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can go back onto this okay. one. So I think um, when Jacob was talking, he, he said specifically to Esau, he said, you go on ahead, yeah. I'll go at the pace of the children. And I think that's so powerful that he honored what the children mm -hmm. needed in that moment. And we have the opportunity to do that as well. You know, every single one of our children, and, and for us as well as adults, we have a pace in which we grow, in which we learn, and we adapt. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for our children specifically, this doesn't always fit with our timeline as parents, but when we pay attention to the uniqueness of each child, we start getting clues as to what yeah. they need individually. Yeah. So people will ask, okay, that's great, but how do I determine for my kid when they need push-in and when they need cushion? Yeah. And one practical way to determine this is to look past our children's behavior and view it as communication. So I think as parents, sometimes it's hard because we want our kids to communicate with us in the same way that we communicate with each other, mm. which is verbally. Sometimes that's hard for kids. They either aren't willing or aren't able to do that. And so when we can view their behavior as communication, it helps us see that there's a need behind that behavior. And usually, it's one of two things. It's usually a need for control or for connection. Ooh. So if we that, can pause. That is a great word. Yeah, and we can see that, hey, maybe this behavior isn't trying to give me a hard time. Maybe they're having a hard time. Wait, wait a minute. Stop right there, reel the tape back, make that statement one more time. Yeah, I think we tend to personalize our children's behavior a lot, and we think they're giving me a hard time. But when we look at behavior as communication, we're able to see that there's a need behind it. So maybe they're not giving us a hard time, but they're having a hard time. Wow, wow. That, that, that is a lot. My oldest daughter, Amy, mm -hmm. uh, when, it, when she was a little girl, I, had, I grew up in a home that was more of a in your face kind of corrective mentality. Uh -huh. yeah. And so I just kind of took that on with my oldest daughter, Amy. And what I learned about that pretty quickly was Amy's a tender soul. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you could almost see her wilt and crush with what I learned how to parent 
realizing, wait a minute, that doesn't work for her, right. that she needs an encourager. Now, later mm-hmm. on, we had other daughters that they, they needed pushing, mm-hmm. but Amy needed cushion because mm-hmm. of how God had made and wired her, right. which required somebody in the room to be the adult mm-hmm. and know that we have to make some adjustments. New neuropathways change the way that we think. Right. And that was an act of resilience for you to recognize that. You know, researchers at Harvard have studied resilience for years, and they're fascinated with it. And the way that they describe it is that resilience is kind of like a seesaw Mm. or a scale. So particularly with our kids, if we were to place all the stressors and restrictions and mandates and changes and uncertainties that we've experienced this past year on this one side of the scale, there are some actual counterbalancing factors that researchers have found through decades of research that will effectively stack the scale in our children's favor to build resilience. Mm. So these factors are usually all about relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I'll start with what research says is the single most important environmental factor in developing resilience. This is something that we can look for. And that is this, the presence of at least one stable and committed relationship with a supportive parent, caregiver, or another adult. And if you think about it in your life, the people, the times when you really felt like somebody believed in you, there was that one person, it was the teacher, it was the coach, it was the youth leader, whoever it was, they believed in you, they connected with you, and you felt that power to be able to be resilient. Absolutely. It's fascinating to me, the power of not only uh, a supportive person, mm-hmm. but a stable supportive person. Right, Yeah. right. And we as parents, we can provide that for our kids, but it's also good to have those other people around us. And I think for many of us, we wonder, okay, what are some other practical things that I can do? Um, is there a way to prepare my children so that they too can build their resiliency? Right. And the answer is yes. And I'm going to link you guys back to some Harvard research. Um, There are four things that they have determined can actually build resiliency into our children's lives. The first one we kind of talked about, ensuring they have a stable relationship with a supportive adult. And like you said, this source of external support, it provides an anchor for children when difficulties arise. The second thing is building the belief in your child that they can take on challenges even if it's imperfectly, Mm -hmm. and help them determine what they can and cannot control. And I want to pause here for a second on the belief piece, because when we talk about belief, this isn't some fake positivity. We are acknowledging the struggle, right? We are acknowledging that things are hard, but we're saying to our children, yes, that's hard, but you can do hard things. We're acknowledging the challenge. We say, yeah, it's, it's difficult, that's challenging, but you can rise to the challenge. So that's a piece that's really important. Number three is providing opportunities to build their ability to be both flexible and learn self-control. So those two things seem like opposites, being adaptable and flexible and having self-control, but they're very important. And how do we learn adaptability? Do we learn it through things going our way or things not going our way? So this past year has given all of us a lot of practice in learning adaptability. Now, self-control, that's a big one. Yikes. <laughs> Who here wants more self-control? But you know, it's hard to pass on self-control without self-control. <laughs> right, exactly, we model it, Yeah. right? Um, the thing that I wanna encourage parents, and all of us, 
um, when it comes to self-control is that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So it comes from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, helping us with that. It's not called parent control. So you can take a load off for those of you who feel like your identity is wrapped up in how well your kid is behaving or not behaving. Um, Of course, we set boundaries and we model this for our kids, but sometimes they're going to make mistakes. And as we'll learn this week, mistakes help our brain grow. And then the last one, This is something that you all are doing here today, providing sources of faith, hope, and cultural traditions. So this is number four, and this is what Harvard researchers have determined builds resilience. This is where you talked about science and scripture. It's a hand and glove experience. The things that God's led us to do are good for us Mm -hmm. from a scientific and psychological perspective. Right, so when I look at these, I think to myself, well, all that's good, but Julie, during during like a, a 40-minute talk, mm-hmm. you can't pass all that on. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why uh, starting tomorrow, each day of this work week, the next five days, uh, we're providing for you about a 15 or 20-minute video that unpack each of these with a great deal more detail about how you can take on some of these concepts of building mm-hmm. resiliency in your life and in your children's life during this school year. And so it'll be available on uh, our Facebook page, be available at clearpathcounseling.org and available at sugarhill.church. So you can find them on all of those uh, areas. And I encourage you to share those, but more importantly, absorb them and be able to put that into your meditative prayer and thought for the week. So you can have some practical, tangible steps that will take all of this to a totally different level of understanding Mm -hmm. because providing these sources of faith are, are a big, big deal specifically for parents. Yeah. And I want to take a minute to talk specifically to the parents here. Because just as the main factor for resiliency lies in a supportive adult-child relationship, one of the main facets of effective, wholehearted parenting for us is that we, as the adults, can offer ourselves and receive the same grace that God gives us that we can receive it for ourselves. He is our Heavenly Father. We parent our kids as we are parented by Him. Maybe we didn't handle COVID parenting in the way that we wanted to. Let's be honest. Most of us in some ways had moments where we weren't our best selves. But I want to propose that maybe COVID parenting wasn't hard because you were doing it wrong. Maybe it was hard because it was hard, guys. It was hard. And we were expected to develop this entirely new set of skills with very little prep time and very little support. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's true, both parenting, but it's it's also for educators. mm -hmm. Same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think if we are expecting this high level out of ourselves and we haven't been equipped in that way, we are setting ourselves up to feel like failures when we're not. And we end up feeling shame or disappointment, and that keeps us stuck from moving forward. Mm. Um, I think one of the goals today is to view ourselves through the lens of God's abundant grace for us after this past year and not through the lens of our failures. Right. You know, whenever people come in and they're ready to give up on something, parenting, life, relationships, it just feels too overwhelming. We always stop and we say, don't quit, just rest. 
Wow. It's okay to rest. And I think we're going to take a time of doing that today to really yeah. rest. I, one of the things that I've, I've heard you say that I absolutely love is that shame and resilience simply don't mix. Mm -hmm. they, they just don't mix. And so I want us to practice right now because one of the things that I know Julie is big on in your private practice and teaching me just in my own pastoral counseling is that one of the greatest things that we can do to be, to be able to build resilience in our life and in our family is to grasp the understanding of meaning. Mm -hmm. That everything we've experienced to this point, God can and will use, mm -hmm. good or bad. Right. And in doing so, sometimes we need to stop and discover how are we going to find in this moment a new narrative for the meaning that we've discovered and learned. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend Sean, who I had the privilege to baptize a minute ago, has a fascinating story. And inside that story is, wait a minute, I, I know what I've learned and I know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. So if we can take everything that we've experienced to know God, did, God allowed all that for a rhyme, a reason, and a purpose, even bad, to help craft for us meaning. Because meaning is one of those things that separates shame from resilience and allows us to build into that resilience. Mm -hmm. So once again, let's just get still for a minute. And in doing so, I encourage you, let this be your prayer. Mm -hmm. Father, today, I, I need to know that everything I've experienced in my life, you can and you will use in my life for my good and for your glory. God, would you remove that shame from my life where I failed? And would you replace it with a resiliency where I can trust you more? And I can know that I can know that I can know that you will use it all so that I might build inside of me a meaningful story of how you have restored me. How are you allowing me to rethink my entire walk with you and my walk with one another? God, strengthen me right now. Give me the ability to trust your spirit as you guide me and direct me. Lord, I, I want to anticipate the, my future with you in your goodness and in your glory. I want to be able to anticipate that, Lord, I, not only do I need you, but in the next two weeks or in the next two months or in the next two years, I can trust that everything I've experienced, you will use, and it will be part of my story for your glory. Lord, today, I, I trust that I will never be alone, that you are with me, you will guide me, and you will comfort me. You will hold me and lift me up with your righteous right hand, that I can find help here and I can trust the help that you have provided and are sending to me. And I pray that knowing that I am never alone in this school year, for you are with me and you've provided help for me. I will be faithful to seek it when I need it and I will trust it when you give it. In the name of Jesus we pray and everybody said, amen. amen. Difficult times require for us to take different approaches. Mm -hmm. And the renewing of our mind is simply a, 
a part of that as we work our way through stress, mm -hmm. as we work our way through anxiety. Mm -hmm. You were never wired to simply say, okay, I'm done, it worked. Because we, we keep rolling through this life and we do need help. And research has found it that meaning is such a significant part of our story. Mm -hmm. I've heard you say that over and over again, finding the why. Yeah, and for some people it's found in really understanding why it happened and what happened. And for others it's found in this, this trust that we know that God had a purpose for right. it, that our pain matters, that he sees us. And you know, the concept of meaning is the difference between people who develop post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth. Mm. They find meaning in it. And really when we think about this, if you think back to the last thing that was truly meaningful to you. It mm. could be a relationship, it could be an accomplishment, it could be any of those things. If you think back to that, chances are that before that happened, there was a moment or a season or a time of pain or stress or uncertainty. And so that is where we understand that meaning is a powerful anchor for resilience. It doesn't mean that we're doing things wrong if we're stressed out. It means that perhaps right on the other side of this is a really meaningful experience. Yeah, is it possible that meaning in many ways is discovered because we've had difficult times? Mm -hmm. uh, you've heard the story of the three bricklayers? Mm. Come on, you're a counselor. Have you not heard this? Julie. Have you guys heard this? <laughs> so, so you got these three people laying bricks, right? And so the first guy, you know, some dude walks up and he says, what are you guys doing? The first guy says, I'm laying bricks. Uh -huh. The second guy says, I'm building a church. The third guy says, I'm building a kingdom. The first guy has a job. The second guy has a career. The third guy has meaning. Mm -hmm. I'll so, use that. I'll use that. Yeah, see, time. so I, I look at this and I'd say in my life, you know, difficult times led me to understand meaning. Mm -hmm. So don't run from them. We have to learn to build resiliency through them. Lean into them, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I... I would just say that in, in this moment, as we try to work our way through stress, through pain, mm -hmm. as we try to build these neuropathways, build resilience in our life and in our children's mm -hmm. life, I, I would just say that all of us have, all of us have accessibility to help. Mm -hmm. That not only are you not alone, the Spirit of God is not going to lead you alone, but we've created a website that will allow you to simply and easily, and Julie, you've done a master job building this, but it's clearpathcounseling.org. And the guys are just going to bring it up on the screen real quick. I'll drive it from my computer real quick. But clearpathcounseling.org. And when you scroll through the site, you will immediately notice this green button, take the free online assessment. And when you do that, you'll literally be taken straight to an assessment. And that assessment takes less than 10 minutes to fill out. Once that is done, then it goes directly and is directed privately and securely to Julie where I don't know what you're doing. The preacher doesn't have to know your business and doesn't want to know your business unless you ask for pastoral counseling. So it goes directly to a licensed therapist who then she can help determine what is your next, next best step. You see, Counseling 101 says, stop worrying about what you're going to do three years from now. Just figure out what is the next best step for you to take. Mm -hmm. And so because she's a professional, she can literally walk through that assessment with you and figure out your next best step. It could be resources, it could be someone to help pray and listen to you, it could be pastoral counseling, but odds are good it could involve professional clinical therapy. 
And so she has developed a, a resource and a network already of other therapists mm -hmm. who are able to give specific help to your specific need. And so one thing I want to point out is when you go through the first page, the last session says, what's your insurance plan? Please don't let that scare you. If you have insurance that can help offset that cost, that's great. If you don't, that's okay. The thing we're committed to in ClearPath is that you can find the help you need no matter what your situation financially. We are committed to you getting emotional, mental, and spiritual health. And to do so, we want you to go to clearpathcounseling.org. And when you do, you scroll down. You can even watch a recap of everything about ClearPath. Julie gives you a wonderful picture and the video, I'm not gonna run the sound of it now, that helps us see what ClearPath is all about. And then you can keep scrolling and find a little bit of everything you wanna know, including some of these how it works FAQs. And you just literally go over and click on them and they'll break down and tell you everything you need to know, including I wanna go ahead and schedule a time with a clinician, I wanna go ahead and schedule a time with a pastor. And even if you just want to say, well, I want to know more about Julie, she seems pretty compelling, then you can click on this and say, wow, isn't she bright? Oh, my stars, that would be awesome. And then there's, uh, there are a few things in here that talks about different folks who have already been a part of ClearPath, making sure you can get your assessment. And if you simply want to say, hey, I need to know more, you can connect with us at the very bottom of the page. You don't have to click or do anything. You just scroll all the way through this site, clearpathcounseling.org. And one thing I will point out is over in the top right-hand corner is a little button that says blog. You can open up and the Clear Path, Clear Path blog will roll out. And there are already four there, but there will be more that are coming weekly. And I encourage you to do that. And don't forget to join us on Thursday for Positive Talk Podcast. will help us work through some of our issues and deliver that in a way if you don't want to jump on board and do everything else. So I think, I think you kind of get the gist of what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. And I want to invite you right now. Uh, first of all, Julie, I want to thank you. I mean, every time I'm with you, I feel like I'm a little smarter. And, uh, and Daniel, thank you for sharing Julie with us. Um, I feel like I get this clinical therapy session every time we talk. And so I'm a little brighter just because you've shared your wife with ClearPath. Thank you so, so much. But I want to give you this caution. Oftentimes what happens in some yeah, look at there. Yeah, I think they were clapping for Dan, not you. Yeah, that's so, what I pointed um, to him. <laughs> so here's, here's the great news. Many of you are going to say, well, Chuck, I want to talk to Julie because she seems so sweet. Okay, there's only so much Julie that can go around. And that's why she's built a network of other therapists so that she can get you to the right person. <clears throat> as wonderful as Julie is, she's not right for everybody. All right? And so that's why we've built a network to help make that happen for you. So uh, for those of you today that are helping with uh, financing with uh, our special needs adult, right at the end of the service, see me here. I have two counseling appointments right after church, so I won't be around long. And uh, Dan needs to steal you away to take you to lunch so you can't hang around and talk forever, all right? But I, I, here's what I wanna leave you with. Clear Path Counseling is a ministry that Sugar Hill Church believed in so much that it's not about growing a church. It's about doing the right thing for the right reason for the right people. And honestly, if you do the right thing for the right reason with the right people, God will honor that. And he'll fund it. And we'll see people and families and adolescents and children, we, we will see people growing healthier, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. 
And if we're willing to feed hungry people because this is what Jesus commanded us to do, how much more so should we want to do that for people who need to find mental and emotional support and health? I promise you, Jesus is concerned about both ends of that spectrum equally. And as a church, let's not fall short because this is hard work. This is hard work because it deals with people. And when you do people work, it's messy. It's always messy because we're all weird in our own way. And isn't it beautiful that God made us that way? So let us be a church that honors how we care for people. Because he said, here's the new commandment, love one another. And if I could add a comma to the Lord's words, not that he needs it, including folks who need mental and emotional care, especially. Why not be that church? Why not be that people? And why not love Jesus enough to do what I believe he would do if he walked in there right now? I'm so proud of you, church, for going with us on this journey, for sharing, for caring, for giving, for jumping on board with us as we see God do an extraordinary work through clear path counseling. Julie, I'm so proud of you. It is an honor for you to be my friend and my partner in this journey. And I think we're going to hear story after story of people finding health in their journey. Trust this Jesus we've talked about today. Let him go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Let him go within you, bring peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. This is my favorite part because he is always good and you are always loved. And let that Jesus, when days are difficult, give you strength to click the button and take the assessment and get help. Because when you do, he'll carry you through the middle of your problem only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so you can see your Savior face to face and hear him say, my child, say it with me, I love you. Hey, I love you, church. I'm so grateful for you. Go in peace. Oh, come on, that's a golf clap. How about a clap? Come on. Can I get one shout? Just one shout. Now we're talking. How about one amen? Can I get one amen on the way out the door? Okay, we're getting better. Y'all do better when you're moving, especially on the way out the door. It's like, Chuck, you finally stopped talking. Now let's celebrate.